0: Welcome to the Beaver Bulletin, your new favorite weekly podcast from Buena Vista University's The TAC. Here giving you all of the news and updates from the last week, I'm your host Colin Imhoff and don't forget to go check out all of the other great articles that The TAC has to offer. Let's see what's on the board for this week of September 27th, 2020. Today on the Bulletin Board, we've got Northwest Iowa schools sticking to in-person classes despite the rise in cases, the West Coast that is on fire, and we have an interview with BVU's head track and field and cross-country coach, Colt Slack. All of that and more to come on this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, scroll on down to the description and you can go check out these articles for yourself. Now, to our first story. Our first story on the board today is one for all of the students in Buena Vista County. Earlier in the week, Buena Vista County officials decided that it would offer free school lunches to every school in the county through December 31st. This includes the school districts of Albert City, Truesdale, Alta, Nueva Fonda, Sioux Central, and Storm Lake. This was made possible by the USDA grant given to the county, which finances the lunch programs for all of the school districts. However, it is unlikely that this free lunch offer will make it to December 31st. With five separate school districts, including one of the most overcrowded districts in the state in Storm Lake, it is likely that the funds of the USDA grant will be exhausted by winter break. It is still good to see the county offering this service as the current recession has hit hard for a lot of Buena Vista County residents and a lot of Iowans. While grab-and-go lunches were very popular in Iowa schools for the opening months of the pandemic, it seems that few districts are continuing with that free lunch option. So I'd recommend that if you are a student in Buena Vista County, you should take advantage of this opportunity while you still can. Next up on the board continues with education as Northwest Iowa schools stick to in-person classes despite the rising case numbers. The superintendents of MOC Floyd Valley, Sheldon, and Sibley O'Cheaton school districts have announced that they plan to continue in-person classes. Each of these school districts are in counties with two-week transmission rates exceeding 20%. The Sibley Ocheedan school district alone has over 200 students and staff in isolation, including its very own superintendent, James Craig. The argument Craig has against going online or hybrid is that it would make it too difficult for teachers to keep tabs on students. Craig believes that increasing social distancing will be more effective in creating a safe learning environment. The superintendents of MOC Floyd Valley and Sheldon agree with this course of action as all three school districts plan to use larger spaces in the community as classrooms. Masks are also not required by any of these school districts, but are heavily recommended in the light of the growing case numbers. For these superintendents and many others in Northwest Iowa, it seems that the last thing they want to do is switch classes to going online. With Governor Kim Reynolds clearly being in favor of in-person classes, it does not seem like they will have to anytime soon. Now to the third story on the board with Iowa's growing unemployment claims. Last week with layoffs in manufacturing and construction jobs, the state of Iowa posted its sharpest increase in unemployment claims since the first few weeks of the pandemic. New claims jumped up 42% from the previous week, as this week's claims sit at 6,601, while the previous week's new claims were 4,652. While these numbers might seem scary, Iowa State economist David Swenson has told us that as long as the total number of claims goes down, then there shouldn't be any major problems to worry about. However, there is one job market that Swenson is worried about, and that is manufacturing. Since the pandemic began, manufacturing has been responsible for 89,000 new unemployment claims. In overall economic output, the U.S. is down about 10% from where it was in 2019, which doesn't seem too bad given the circumstances. Unemployment claims as a country rose very slightly in the past week. However, with this increase in unemployment claims, more and more Americans are now being denied or delayed in receiving their unemployment benefits. Hopefully, Iowa does not see another spike this large in unemployment and hopefully someday soon the manufacturing demand will return. Moving to number four on the board is the burning west coast. The wildfire siege in California just seems to keep coming. Since mid-August, the state of California has had five of the state's top 20 largest wildfires ever, the largest of which is known as the August Complex. The fires this year alone have burned a record 3.7 million acres and have killed 26 people so far. It doesn't look like things will be getting any better as temps are still expected to reach triple digits and winds are expected to increase in the following weeks. The National Weather Service in San Francisco called these weather patterns concerning on the morning of the 27th. The difference in air pressure funnels strong winds and from all directions ultimately drying out the air, making it easier for new fires to spread faster. Fires have been popping up all over the state of California as many counties in the northern part of the state have been evacuated. Flames and smoke have gotten so big that satellites have begun to pick up images of them, as well as neighboring states receiving poor air quality. This year, California wildfires have been worse than they've ever been, and I wish good fortune to all of those living on the West Coast. Coming to the fifth story on the board, no officer is charged with the killing of Brianna Taylor. If you haven't heard about Breonna Taylor or don't know what happened, here's a quick little backstory. Breonna Taylor was a black medical worker living in Louisville, Kentucky. On March 13th of 2023, Louisville police officers botched a raid on her apartment, ending with officers firing an array of shots, one killing Breonna Taylor. Many protests sparked up in the spring and summer as people demanded that the officers responsible should be brought to justice. After a long wait, last Wednesday, the grand jury of Kentucky indicted former Louisville police officer Brett Hankinson, who was charged with three counts of wanton endangerment. This charge is a low-level felony and punishable for up to five years in prison. People were outraged with this decision, as many took to social media to apologize to Brianna and her family, as the system has seemed to fail them again. The argument for the grand jury was that there was no way to know which officer killed Miss Taylor as they all took multiple shots through the window. The protest for Brianna Taylor continues as nobody wants her story to be forgotten. The final thing on the board for this week is of course the events of the week BVU hosting their first cross country meet well in in a pandemic. I was able to sit down with head track and field and cross country coach Colt Slack Here's what he had to say about the meet.
1: Hey, Coach Schlock, how are you doing today? Good. Okay, so I just wanted to ask you a few questions. First off, I want to know what the biggest difference between setting up a home meet like in normal times and what it is now with COVID and everything. Like, What was that like?
2: Well, the setup was no different. The setup was exactly the same. Um, the only thing that we did differently as far as meet setup was do a double corral at the finish. That way, fans couldn't get too close to the athletes. but the biggest part was in the actual meet protocol itself with wearing masks for warm-ups and masks until you get on the start line and then pulling down the masks for the race. So that was really the only different thing as far as COVID related issues. I wouldn't say there was a challenge in particular, it just looked different than it's looked before with the COVID protocols.
1: Did you think the meet
2: went smoothly? Oh yeah, I think our meet was ran very well. I think our, our track and field team did a good job of helping uh, just direct the meet and on particular parts of the course. I think that um, coaches did a great job from from Central and Luther as well of just making sure their athletes knew the protocols and helped follow those throughout the meet. So as far as the meet itself, I think it ran really smoothly. There was no hiccups, uh, which is always what we're shooting for. So the meet itself, I think it ran very smooth.
1: Now getting to the team specifically, how do you think the race went for the
2: women's side? Um, I, I think we did – Oh, we have way more in the tank. I mean, we, we did adequate at best, I think. I would say Kiana had a really good race. She pretty much matched her PR, and it's early in the season, so she had a really great race. The rest of our women, I think that we kind of got in our heads a little bit and uh, and didn't perform as well as we could have.
1: You guys were also missing a uh, school record holder as well. On that yeah, missing side.
2: a school record holder, and we were also missing um, Jaden Forbes, who's traditionally our number three, maybe number three, number four. And so not having her at the meet, you know, not having two of our top three athletes, I think kind of like hurt us a little bit.
1: Now moving to the guys side, what happened over there?
2: I don't really know what happened with the guys. I'm not sure if it was a mental barrier. I'm not sure if it was a training barrier. I'm not sure if it was fatigue uh, or just all the things going on COVID related. Um, We're honestly a little disappointed in the way that men ran at the meet. Like again, same story as the, as the women, like they had way more left out.
1: So do you think the inconsistencies in practice due to covid has had an effect on training and made it a little bit harder for the team overall?
2: Yeah, it's I mean it's definitely had a had it's had a little bit of an effect obviously like just having practice an hour and a half later, classes going later. Um, Simple things like not being able to hydrate effectively throughout the day. I I think some of those things that that seem very minor, those make a big difference when you're running a five mile race. It's definitely been a challenge for practice. And so maybe that's part of the reason I don't really know. Um, I know motivation has been has been a difficult thing as well, like that mental side of things pushing through those mental barriers. So we're back to the drawing board. We're going to see what we can do this week. And hopefully we'll again, hopefully have a better result at our next meet
0: on the day. The Beavers finished third on both the men's and women's side. Leading for the women was Kiana Roderick as she finished 5th overall, and on the men's side it was team captain Greg Tisdall as he finished 19th overall. If all goes according to plan, the Beavers will be back on the cross-country course on October 10th for the Dubuque Triangular. That's all on the Bulletin Board for this week, folks. Make sure to come back next week for more great stories and updates. Remember if any story interested you and you would like to read more, links to all the articles are in the description. Also, don't forget to go check out more of the great articles from the TAC. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. I'm your host, Colin Imhoff, and I'll see you next week.